Hello. Welcome back into the podcast, Dodging Through the Ravine. It is your host, Young Stud. A couple of my co-hosts today and Jacob. Jake, uh, pretty busy weekend for you, for the Dodgers, for myself. Um, lots to unwrap here, uh, including some breaking news that just happened not too long ago. Before we do get into all that, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Been having a lot of fun this weekend. Just been honestly went to like the majority of this Brave series. I was at three out of the four games for that. Had a lot of family fun this weekend. And on Sunday, my great uncle was actually the veteran of the game. So that was a really cool experience. I'll talk about that later as we get to Sunday's game. And yeah, I'm I'm going pretty well. How about yourself? Everything's going pretty well. Um, you know, I saw the Dodgers drop the series against Atlanta, but, uh, you know, overall still playing good baseball. But uh, before we do get into the Braves series, we must talk about the situation that is currently, you know, under investigation here. Julio Arias has been arrested or was arrested last night. Uh, for domestic abuse. Now, this is the second case with Julio and domestic abuse. His first offense was in 2019. He went through a little minor suspension, but he came back and, you know, he was pitching and all that. Dodgers didn't really discipline him all that much. Here we are in 2023, four years later, and this thing happens again. I mean, what are your initial reaction? to these allegations? My initial reaction. So my first reaction to it was a post that you had sent me and literally all over my Instagram feed, it was just Julio done, Julio domestic abuse, Julio $50,000 bill. And, you know, it's, it doesn't suck to say it at this point, but man, Julio has not been able to get his groove together when it comes to that, like regard of his life. And I, I don't think he'll be a Dodger after this season. I think his time as a Dodger is just officially done. Yeah. Um, you know, going into the season and as the season progressed, as, you know, he pitched, I gave it, you know, literally a week ago, maybe a few days ago, I said there's probably a 30% chance that Julio is a Dodger next year in some way or form. After this, I'll probably give it like a 3% chance if that. I mean, I don't think Julio's coming back. The Dodgers, at this point, should know better. I mean, if this isn't like a clear sign that he is not going to be back, including how he's pitched this year, I don't know what is. Yeah. And a lot of Dodger fans, we all know about the situation with Trevor Bauer, how MLB was instantly on him to get him out of the league and – I just don't think this – it doesn't look good for Julio regarding to that. And I think if the MLB doesn't take any, like, big disciplinary action against Julio, then it's going to make them really look like hypocrites regarding Bauer. Because Bauer's case, if you were to ask me, this is way more serious than Bauer's case. Like, if you look at the evidence, you know, it, obviously this is still new, but this just seems like, you know, Dodgers need to take action for this now. Listen, I'm never defending any sort of violence. No, of course not. But in Bauer's case, it was a little different. Uh, There was, you know, evidence there that could have swayed it either way. You know, the Dodgers cut Trevor Bauer. I wasn't particularly happy. Like, I I wish the Dodgers would have kind of kept him and gave him a second chance like they did to Julio. And uh, they still paid him anyways. They're paying him this year. So, you know, I wasn't too happy about how that case ended up, but it is what it is. We move on. But in in this case with Julio, it's not a good look. And the Dodgers, at this point, have to cut ties. They have to cut ties. I think we have seen the last of Julio Rios in a Dodger uniform. Agreed, yeah. If Dodgers don't cut ties after this one, then I don't know. It's going to make them look like real hypocrites. So you're in agreement that 
you don't want to see Julio back again in 2023. Yeah, we lost you there for a second. But did you hear my question? Oh, okay. You said I don't think something about Julio? I said you're in agreement that you don't want to see Julio back in 2023. I don't think he should be just because of this case, but obviously, you know, I love Julio for the things he's done as a Dodger. But yeah, after this, I just, it, it doesn't make any sense for him to come back as a Dodger. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't see there, I don't see a way he comes back. I don't too much bad PR to go along with it or right around the, you know, the corner from October, the Dodgers and MLB will act you know accordingly to this and, and get on it as soon as possible here the discipline as far as discipline for Arias I have no idea I have no idea if it's going to be half a year a couple of games uh, I don't know what what's going to happen okay I don't know what's going to happen but I can tell you right now that we saw the last pitch Julio Arias threw with the Dodgers yeah, we did actually. At least he was at. Home. You saw it. You saw it in person. Yeah, so he was at home for it. So that may have been like a, like a Cody Ballinger, Justin Turner type thing. Last at bat. Yeah. So um, just not the news that you want to hear coming out of your players. Um, just definitely just very not. bad stuff. Um, of course, I don't know if you saw, but last time <coughs> Arias was at the LAFC game. I did see a post about that, actually. I seen that for the Miami was in town, so everybody wanted to see Messi. Yeah, he was there with Kershaw and Mookie. But uh, obviously Julio did not have a great time after the fact. I, I, again, we don't know what happened, but it's – it's not a good look for Julio, for Dodgers, or for MLB for that matter. Like this is stuff that they don't want to see happening in their league. You know, we already saw a case a couple of weeks back with Wander Franco. It's just like, yeah, he, MLB he's has dumb. to take care of these players. Yeah, that Wander Franco situation—it's definitely different than the Julio one. So, like, by no means do I think, in my opinion, is Wander Franco ever going to wear a Ray jersey again? Like, it just, you know, unless there's, like, some little fake settlement with the family or whatever, but that case is just too weird. And, you know, considering that Julio was with Kershaw and Mookie, I wonder, like, how bad his night got for him to get into that situation. Because Kershaw and Mookie are some really good company. Just, you know, what I've heard, seen from media, like, don't personally know the guys, but, like, I don't think that I would be engaged in a domestic abuse night if I was spending my night with Kershaw and Mookie Betts. Yeah, that's a good point. Of course, the leaders of the Dodgers, you know, next to Freddie Freeman and all that. But, um, yeah, Julio just cannot get his head together, man. Cannot get his, his head together considering his status that pitcher for the Dodgers, contract year. I mean, he's really got it all going for him. And this is the route he chooses to take, and he's going to face the, uh, you know, disciplinary the disciplinary actions that follow it. So um, we will, you know, continue to follow this Julio story as the news breaks, you know, in the coming days and weeks. But uh, just wrapping up. And back to what I was saying about Julio Urias and just being a long term Dodger. You know, is this going to – how big of an effect or how big of a little effect is this going to have on us in the next two to three seasons? We got Walker Buehler coming back. We got Dustin May coming back. And there are a couple of free agents that are hitting the market this season. So this whole Julio thing, it's it's really changing up our – I wouldn't say our depth, but, like, just our, our long-term rotation plans. They're definitely a setback now. Yeah, you talk about effect. I wonder the effect it has on this season. Like, you know, we're in this season now. Like, I wonder what effect it has now. Like, Julio, I don't know what game, you know, he would have started in the postseason. Uh, probably not the first two, in my opinion. 
I don't think he will start in the first two games. Maybe game three, probably game three. If you had it in my hands, I probably would have started him over Lance Lynn. But, yeah, um, you just wonder who's going to take a spot, how the, you know, the clubhouse is affected by this. This could have some ripple effects, and the team is either going to get stronger or a modern raffle from here. So we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. That is one of the big concerns with me about this situation is how is the clubhouse, how is the team going to react to it? Yeah, so uh, you know, just hopefully that you know Julio's situation gets taken care of and uh, the Dodgers are heading to Miami, heading to Miami to face the Marlins this upcoming week. But you know, going, turning the page into the baseball that took place this weekend, it was the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Of course, the Braves, the best team in baseball. They pass the eye test for you. Are they the best team in baseball? Yeah, they're, they're definitely the best team in baseball right now. They came in, won three out of four versus the Dodgers. A lot of people were expecting this to be like the championship series in the playoffs this season. You know, this is these are two contending postseason teams. And, man, Dodger pitching was just – was not able to hold it down. So, yeah, the Braves are 100%, you know, they solidified that point. Yeah, to me, they definitely are the best team in baseball. And they have been pretty much the entire season. Like, I, I watch quite a bit of Braves baseball when I can. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just loaded. I mean, that lineup is just stacked. It, it's ridiculous. But uh, Thursday, it was a four-game set. Got started on Thursday, eight to seven loss that the Dodgers took, and you know, kind of took a weird way to get to that eight-seven loss. Kind of a wild game there. The Dodgers got down. Was it six to one? I think it was six to one at one point, and uh, off the back of a grand slam from Ronald Acuna Jr., one of which had a huge series, and the Dodgers if they were to meet Atlanta again in the postseason, have to do a better job of pitching to Acuna. Acuna, Acuna, Acuna. He was able to just smack the ball the entire series versus us. I believe he had – I know he had one home run. He had that grand slam. And then I believe he hit a second one as well. Do you know if that's true or not? Yeah, he hit a second one. Okay. So, yeah, two home runs from the MVP runner-up. And it's just, you know, do the Dodgers pitching, does anybody know how to pitch to Acuna to where he's, you know, not smacking a ball every other game? Acuna's definitely going to be a big factor in the playoffs. Another, I wouldn't say he's underrated, another small ball name that I like on the Braves as well is actually Marcelo Zuna. He can hit 30-plus home runs a season. He's a decent outfielder. And the Braves are paying him cheap. So I, I think those two guys right there, they're definitely going to have something in the playoffs. Yeah, the Braves just got it going on. Like, they, they really do got it going on. They locked up a lot of their core for a long time for pretty cheap. And uh, Acuna. Acuna is right in the middle of that. He is their cornerstone, you know, superstar franchise player. You mentioned MVP runner-up. For Acuna, you still think Acuna isn't the MVP after this? You know, I I think this series put a put a bigger standing point for him. Like this series definitely made him more of the favorite. But there's still another month of baseball left. You still got another month of Mookie and Freddie. Mookie's going to Miami. You know, he's going to be facing a. Uh, you know, the, the Marlins are in a run for the wild card. They're not the Braves, so you know, Mookie's obviously going to. No, trying to be getting it back. So, yeah, I still think Acuna is the runner-up. Well, like you mentioned, Mookie Betts, that night on Thursday had a couple of home runs himself, a couple of home runs, a couple of big shots there from Mookie Betts, you know, getting the Dodgers, you know, calming them back in the game. It was a great show that night. It was really a great show that night. But, uh, of course, the Dodgers would lose really off of a Max Muncy error. That eighth run for Atlanta proved to be costly, and it was that one error that Max Muncy made, a run recovery on a score. I mean, how many times do I have to talk about Max Muncy being a liability, not only in the field, but at the plate? 
Seems like you do it a lot. I do, and it's because I cannot stand watching Max Muncy. I, I, I just can't take it. I mean, he hits home runs. He's, he's still batting under 200, if not maybe a bit over 200, but he's just – the times where he's consistent at the plate hitting a home run, it's like we're up 5-0. Yeah, home run is nice, but like – the times where we would need him to, like, get a big hit, he doesn't. And it's just – he's a back-and-forth player. Like, me and Muncie, like, I like him, and then I don't like him. But he's just he's – a, he's a consistent player. But at the same time, he's he's just very inconsistent. So, I, Muncie's just a big old hammer ball for me. Yeah, you know how I feel about Max Muncie. I, I, I just cannot take it any longer. He strikes out a lot. He either wants to walk, hit a home run, or it's a it's a plot it's a fly out, right? Like and maybe you get an occasional ground out or you know, double or base like occasionally, but you know, he's gonna if he's gonna back clean up, go around MLB, you look at the Braves, who's a Braves clean up hitter? Matt Olson. Like it, it's really it's not even a comparison between Matt Olson and Max Muncy, who's a better clean up hitter. Matt Olson drives and runs. Max Muncy doesn't. So it's night and day, and that's where the Braves have us be in so many aspects, but that's just one of them. Um, but, yeah, Lance Lynn, by the way, got roughed up that night. And, uh, again, this harpens back to where you and I both agreed that we weren't super high on Lance Lynn. He faces the Atlanta Braves, a team that you may very well just face in the postseason, and he just gets lit up. And this is back-to-back bad starts for Lance Lynn, by the way. Yeah, lit up. You see Lynn out there just not being able to be comfortable versus the Braves. And you had said it. It was looking like his former White Sox selves, um, giving up a lot of home runs, just not having his command under control. And if Lynn, you know, if Lynn is like this in the postseason versus the teams where he needs to do good in, then, I, I mean, hey, man, thanks for the couple good starts, but, you know, I don't, I don't think he'll be back. He does have an option for next year, a club option, so we'll see if the Dodgers pick it up, but especially now with Julio for sure gone. We'll see. We'll see what the, Dodgers, what the Dodgers landscape looks like on the pitching side of things. I'm going to talk about another guy coming back here just shortly as well, but Friday they would take another loss, 6-3. to three. <coughs> That was the Max Fried game. Just Max Fried and a whole lot of nothing. Um, you know, the Braves – Took it to us. Max Freed was dominant. Seven innings, three hits, 10 Ks, no word runs. And Max Freed, you know, I've seen Max Freed quite a bit. And, you know, he has his nights where he's super on, like he was on Friday. And he has his nights where he's super off. He cannot find the strike zone. He cannot get a guy to swing and miss. And uh, Max Freed was on. And so if the Dodgers cannot hit Max Freed, it uh, doesn't bode well for their chances. It does not, no. The Dodgers need to hit off of Max Freed. That that Braves rotation is so deep with talent. It's like, if you're not able to hit off Max Freed, then, it, you know, it's just that that starting bullpen is deep. You know, Max Freed just came off the I.L. not too long ago. And he he's starting to get into his groove for the Braves now. The Braves are going to need him in their postseason run. The Dodgers, you know, if 10 strikeouts in seven innings, you know, that's – that's not going to win you a ball game, unless you know eighth, ninth inning you're just hitting constant home runs. So, Freed is you know he's going to be a dominant hand in the postseason, and I just you know it, it was scary. It wasn't scary, but it's just like oh man, like this is the way the Dodgers are hitting versus him. Like just get a little glimpse of what could happen. Right, we got some uh, postseason scaries, right? Like the Dodgers offense yeah. is notorious for. I don't, I don't know if it's good pitching or the lights are too bright. I don't know what it is, but yeah, um, the Dodgers just we see this way too much, and I, I want to change. Like I want to change. Like this cannot happen so consistently. You know, Spencer Strider. The Dodgers got to Spencer Strider, but uh, Max Freed. They could not get to Max Freed. Colton Wong. Did you see that Colton Wong pitch hit three run shot? I was there. 
Yeah, that Cohen Wong pinch hit home run was fairly nice, actually. Friday yeah. night game, that was the Kobe Bryant jersey, I believe. Yeah, so Friday night was September 1st. The They were handing out the, the Mamba jerseys for the special events. I got a couple of those. And yeah, Colton Wong's first at-bat with the Dodgers, pinch hit, three-run home run. Yeah, pretty good stuff there from Colton Wong. And I don't know, I don't think uh, Colton plays third base, but man, if they could find a way to get him in the lineup more, he didn't play again the rest of the series. So I would expect to see him in Miami here, but hopefully he plays more because I want to see more of Colton Wong. I thought he would be a good pickup at the deadline, and sure enough, here he is. So let's see more Colton Wong. Let's see less Max Muncie. Sign me up for that. But, um, yeah, before we do move on from that game, it was, of course, Julio Arias, his potential last start in a Dodger uniform. Five innings pitched, four nine hits. Five innings pitched, nine hits, uh, four Ks, five earned runs, and two walks. So, yeah, a couple of bad starts, you know, from Julio against the Boston Red Sox and the Atlanta Braves after a pretty good stretch in August. But, I mean, this is a – this is a bad fall from from Julio Arias. Agreed. Five five innings pitched, you know, five earned runs. It's that's honestly like a Julio outing, but it's versus the Braves. It just can't happen. You know, go five innings, give up three runs. You know, save your bullpen, give them some leverage, and just just watching Julio out there sometimes in person, it's just. You know he's not his his self before like 2020. 2021, or, or was it 2022, he had that really great season. We had like 15 plus wins, 14 wins. And, you know, I just I don't know what happened from there. He just, he gives up a lot of hits, really. That seemed like that's something he just does. You know, it's the batters make good contact off of him, whether it's power or not. You know, they're just always getting good swings off of Julio. And if that was his final start, then, you know, that is not a way to go out. So you noticed that he looks off on the mound. Yeah, he just, you can tell that, like, he just doesn't have that same, like, confidence or spark that he had a few years ago. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, the broadcasters, even Joe Davis and Oral Hershaz even pointed that out there, too, that he just doesn't look like his heart is in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't look at it like his heart is in it. Maybe he was, you know, experiencing some stuff at home or has been all year, right? Like, all this stuff ties in. And so maybe there is stuff going on behind the scenes. And, and obviously, this is what comes out of it today, right? So it's uh, it's just been a bad year for Julio, a year that he wants to forget. And we'll see where his career goes from here. But I suspect that would be the last of Arias in a Dodger uniform Friday against the Braves. Saturday, the Dodgers will lose yet again, and they'll drop the series 4-2. Um, 4-2 loss in 10 innings against Atlanta. Um, Yeah, the Dodgers, like I said, we, we talked about their horrible hitting with the runners in scoring position. We saw it last year in the postseason. We saw glimpses here against the Braves where they cannot get that big hit. They cannot get consistent hitting. And I, I, I just wonder, like I said, is it good pitching or lights too bright? Good pitching. I don't think the lights have anything to do with it at all. Okay. Well, yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. But uh, like I said, man, like – and it goes back to the Dave Roberts conversation, and I don't want to talk about Dave Roberts every single, you know, podcast here, but is he doing, you know, his job to get the players ready? To face these good teams like the Braves, is he waking them up? Like I, I shouldn't say waking them up because players are should be awake for these type of games, anyways. But is he getting them prepared to, to go out there and take on the Braves, where they know they're going to be juiced and they're a great team? And you know, I just wonder why the Dodgers come out so flat and they look like a totally different team, right, from when they look good. So, um, it's frustrating to watch. Right. Yeah, 
They scored Agreed two runs on Saturday and three runs on Friday. Like, that's just not going to get it done. The Braves scored that many runs versus us in one game. Like, I don't eh, – you're right. It's not going to win games. It's not going to do anything. You know, Sunday's game, we just got lucky. The Braves weren't scoring at all. They, they got one – you know, they got one run that game. And then, you know, Dodgers had opportunities after that to even put more on. They left a runner stranded on third. We did get that run back, and you know, just it was just a bad offense day for the Braves. If the Braves are hitting on Sunday, then we 110% get swept by them. They just didn't have their sticks with them. Yeah, but we'll get into Sunday's game, but uh, the Dodgers, you know, it was a pretty close game there on Saturday with Atlanta, and I do want to talk about the bullpen because I think the bullpen, to me, you know, we talked about it, you know, previously. The bullpen to me is pretty apparent who the leverage guys should be, and it have it in this order: Shelby Miller, Ryan Brazier, Evan Phillips. Seven, eight, nine. If you if you go seven, eight, nine, I'm just saying those three guys are the top three right-handed pitchers in the bullpen for me. Do would you agree with that? You would say Miller over Gratterall. Absolutely. Okay. No, yeah, I I, I agree with you too. Miller came in just recently for the Dodgers. He had a pretty good outing. And 7-8-9 combo. Yeah, I, I would say Miller is definitely more of like the seventh inning. I feel like Miller would be good in the eighth inning too. But then, like, Yarbrough just secures that spot. So, yeah, Miller 7, Yarbrough 8, and then obviously Phillips in the ninth to close it off. That's not a bad 7-8-9. Yeah, but uh, like you mentioned, Bruce Star Gratterall is finding his way in there. The Dodgers apparently like Bruce Star in high leverage situations. I don't like him in those high leverage situations. I don't trust him at all. You know, I feel like he's just one bad moment from it all, just getting away. So um, we'll see how this plays out. But to me, I I see from what I see, it's Shelby Miller, Ryan Brazier, and envelopes as the three high leverage guys. Bruce Starr does not fit that criteria. He's a middle relief man, not a high leverage guy. Um, and of course, we saw that game. Um, Evan Phillips won a couple of innings. Evan he Phillips did, won, yeah. Won a couple yeah. of innings. And uh, I tweeted out uh, yesterday, I'm like, where's Evan Phillips? I, I didn't realize he won a couple of innings. I totally forgot about that. But um, yeah, went multiple innings, and the Dodgers have done this so many times. You'll Ladies can leave for multiple innings at a time, and you know whomever. Is this something you want to see come postseason? I think it's only necessary to use a closer in two innings, to where in the eighth inning you need one more out, or even even two outs in the eighth inning just seems like too much because at that point. Your closer's already thrown at least seven to eight pitches. And by that point in the ninth inning, you know, he could already be halfway done through the inning. So I, I like bringing in the closer just to know, like, you know, make sure you're securing the spot. But at the same time, you know, it also gives those batteries on deck in the, in the dugout. You know, they're seeing more of this closer, and closers are only used for one inning. So, you know, it's they're able to vary it down more. Like, okay, I've seen this pitch more. Oh, this pitch goes that way instead of that way. All right, let me make my adjustment. That's the only thing I see with that. Yeah, you know, I've never been a fan of, you know, seeing Canley trot out there for multiple innings in the World Series. Like, you're just asking for a disaster. I mean, you have plenty of guys down there in the bullpen to get her done already. So use them. Use those guys in the bullpen that you've used all year. Like I mentioned, the three guys that I just mentioned, a couple of guys, use them. They could go inning. They could go, you know, whatever. Like, I don't want to see Evan Phillips go multiple innings. You know, I, I don't I don't know. I really don't want to see that, to be honest, because I just feel like it's a recipe for disaster. And um, Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, unless there's a day off between games, you know, where he can get his rest and be ready for the next game, okay. But if there's back-to-back games, no. Like, he should not be used in a, you know, multiple inning roles. So, not something I'm overly excited about. And, of course, you know, the big shot from Orlando Arcia in the 10th inning. Served up by Alex Vessia. Good old Alex Vessia serving up meatballs again. 
I have no Your idea how this guy. guy. Yeah, I have no idea how this guy is still on this this ball club. You know, it's a shame that. Okay, I want to say it's a shame. But the, the Dodgers needed lefties at the time when Phil Bickford got DFA'd. I know Bickford has been having a rough time in the Mets uniform. But, you know, at the same time, you know, if I'm looking, you know, do I want to keep Bessie or Phil Bickford? I'm, I'm keeping Phil Bickford. Yeah, but, of course, you know, you got the righty lefties, you know, aspect to that. But um, Yeah. That's... Yeah, if Alex Bessie is, is a left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen this postseason, I would suggest to close your eyes because um, I tried praying for him on Saturday and, and it didn't work. So I would just close your eyes and just kind of hope for the best because that is the last guy that you want to see out of the bullpen from the Dodgers because he's not good. He serves up meatballs. That's all he does. So, um, yeah. Meatball server indeed. Put him in an Italian restaurant, make him the cook because he's serving meatballs. Absolutely. And of course, Sunday, the finale of the series, Dodgers would salvage the game, salvage a series win, you know, three to one over the Atlanta Braves. They would drop the out of four, but they salvaged the last one to have a happy fly over to Miami. Um, of course, Bob Miller Day. Bobby Ice was on the mound, and uh, Bobby Ice was indeed dealing. Seven innings, only gave up a run. It was a Matt Olson home run, but. Three hits allowed, five Ks. This guy is the game two starter for the Dodgers. Yes. And then I just want to throw in the fact that I believe that Olsen homer, I believe it was in the sixth or the seventh inning. So it wasn't – it was just right until inning. he was about to get – so literally his last inning, and he, he gave up his third hit of the game. Incredible performance by Bobby Ice Miller. You know, out of everybody in this rotation – I didn't, I didn't think he would do good versus the Braves. I'm going to be honest. I thought the Braves were going to rock him. I thought he was going to be a little nervous out there. And he looked so comfortable. He looked like 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 he was dealing to them. Like he wanted to deal to the Braves. And, you know, seeing that, I was like, okay, like let's go Bobby Ice. Like, you know, this guy's definitely either going to be a game two or a game three starter. Game one, you know, I feel like it's still going to go to Kershaw when he's with us. But yeah, game two or game three, definitely Bobby Miller. Yeah, uh, absolute worst. It's going to be game three that he goes. But uh, he should be the game two starter from what I've seen. Of course, you know you mentioned that he's going to get roughed up or thought he would get roughed up by Atlanta, but he made his debut in Atlanta against the Braves, and he was pretty good. So Bob Miller he did. That's right. is uh, not afraid of you know, the big lights, the bright lights. Like This is what excites me, like I said. He's a bigger Walker Bueller. Like, he's not afraid. He's going to go after guys, and he just has the ice in his veins. Like, he just has that fire in him to, to go out there and deal. And like you mentioned, he was just going after the Atlanta hitters, just throwing it to them and say, hey, good luck in this. And um, that's what you love to see from a front-end guy of the rotation, in which Bob Miller is. So have the utmost confidence in Bob Miller this postseason. Of course, a couple of weeks to go. Uh, Mookie Betts had a good game, three for four, and like you mentioned about the uh, you know the cold shifts <coughs> on offense. Of course, the Dodgers are platooning. So, like I mentioned, is the platoon going to work in the playoffs? Do you trust it to work? You know where the guys come into pinch hit to get that matchup. Can the Dodgers score multiple runs at a time? Of course, you're going to have some low scoring games in the playoffs. You're going to want some tight ones, but can the Dodger offense avoid going cold? like they did this weekend and like they did in San Diego last year in this upcoming postseason. <clears throat> can the Dodgers avoid it? A hundred percent. hundred percent they can avoid it. The platooning works when it works. And when it doesn't work, I don't think it's because it's a platoon. I think it's just because it's, you know, that that certain matchup, you know, he's just he's not working versus the other matchup. So I, I I still believe the Dodgers, you know, this platooning squad, you know, it works. It, it's worked in the past, obviously, with different players. And, you know, it's, this is more of a veteran team with experience. So I, I think it can definitely work. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I thought this Dodger team would be an NLDS exit after the deadline moves. 
we'll see if that's still the case. If they play the Giants or the Brewers, it may go. Um, yeah, like, and going back to the point that we just talked about, Brewstar Gratterall did get that save. Um, not before a walk and a hit there. Like, it was not easy for Brewstar, but he got it done. You know, got a double play in the middle of that. But uh, I don't trust Brewstar at all. I don't, I don't trust him. He's very hittable. He's very shaky. I don't trust him. Yeah, for throwing 100-plus, you know, getting 97 on the sinker, he's a, he gets hit off a lot. And, you know, that's not – it's not something you would expect with something like that, you know, 97-plus, 100-plus. But once he gets runners on, like, you know, last night he had first and second, I feel like it could really go either way. Like, it's more of a 50-50 if there's runners on first and second. Either they're going to score at least two runs or they're not going to score at anything at all, and he finishes the inning, like, with a cool lock. So that's my thing with Gratterall. Just, you know, once he does get runners on, he can get a little shaky, but then he can also, like you said, he got that double play last night, helped him out huge, and he got the save. Yep, got the save. Of course, Brewster won't go anywhere. He's going to be part of that bullpen, but uh, I just wouldn't trust him in the big spots, you know, late in games is all I'm saying. Um, any other final thoughts that you want to share from uh, the series? Yeah, I want to give a, a big happy birthday to my uncle Zeke on Sunday's game. He was the veteran of the game in the second, the third inning, veteran of the game, memorial hero of the game, whatever they call it. But he was there. I was able to get a, some video of him on the big screen. And he, he, he had this he had this big old like like just smiley like like he had this big old happy face when they put the camera on him. He was like, hey, like how's it going? And it, it was really cool seeing that. And then after the game as well, we met up with them on the field deck level, just hanging out, taking some pictures. And a couple of fans, like a couple of bypassers just leaving the stadium, they recognized him. And they, one of the guys um, was a veteran as well. So, you know, he was asking for a picture, you know, say thank you for your service. You know, it, it was a good interaction. And it was happy birthday to Uncle Zeke right there. Big 100. Yep, big 100 to Uncle Zeke. You know, I did see that camera footage that you shot on your story. You know, it's really – must be really cool to see the whole stadium uh, clap, including the players, you know, clap for your one of your family members on the field. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for his service, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's, he's, he's big into that. And seeing the Braves players as well. I did see a couple of Braves players, like, stop and give a couple claps before running onto the field. That was pretty cool, too. You know, I, I, it, it is really cool when the, the players take into consideration the, the veterans of the game. You know, not just Sunday, because my uncle was there, but just in general, you know. Justin Turner would um, always give them an autograph. And then before Justin Turner, it was A.J. Alice. So it's, those trends right there are pretty nice. Yep, absolutely, of course. You know, they go out there on the front lines and fight for our freedoms that we get to do these podcasts, you know, every single day or whenever we want to. So uh, thank you to all the veterans out there for their service on this Labor Day. Today is Labor Day, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, today is Labor Day. So um, appreciate y'all for y'all service. But uh, yep, the Dodgers would drop that series to Atlanta. And again, I'm not too shaken up by it because I did mention before going into the series that I did not want home field advantage or maybe not home field advantage, but I did not want the one seed. So the Dodgers are now six games back of the one seed. Yes. That was one thing that you were messaging me about off pod. You know, what I think about the Dodgers being in the first seed or the second seed. I know you wanted the second seed. I know that I wanted the first seed just for the, that world, just for the home field advantage of the world series. I just I love that you can clinch that, you know, I love that you can secure that. It gives your starting pitching, you know, a little more leverage starting out at home and then going into the road trip, you know, let's say you're up two games, boom, your your pitchers, you know, once they've been a little sense of being more comfortable, but they're just there's not as much stress on them. Yeah, for sure. Of course you want to be at home for the playoffs, but you gotta go out there on the road and win some games as well. So the Dodgers will likely have to do that if they meet the blur. The Braves 
in the postseason. Of course, the Dodgers are now heading to Miami to face the Marlins. The Marlins came to the Dodgers Stadium a couple weeks back in the midst of that hurricane, that hurricane that came over L.A. The Marlins were here that weekend, and the Dodgers did win that series. So the Marlins are, you know, like you said earlier, in the wild card mix. I don't know what to think of the Marlins. Like, I'm not sure if I should be scared of this team or not. I haven't seen too much of them. So I think this would be a little good gauge for me on saying, okay, do I want the Marlins in a playoff matchup? I get you. Seeing where they contend versus the Dodgers. The Marlins do have a lot of exciting players on their team. Um, you know, on TV, uh, I would be expecting a Solaire home run. That guy just always had a nice place in my heart for me. Defeated the Astros in the 2021 World Series with the train bomb. That's always a great baseball highlight. And Luis Arias, they have other guys as well who are hitting pretty well. He's had a little bit of a fall off, but he's still a, I believe he's still above 300 hitter. So, you know, you literally can't ask for more than that. And yeah, they have some starting pitching as well. Should be an interesting series. Yep, for sure. Going to be a very interesting series amid all the allegations and whatnot. Um, yeah, like I said, the Dodgers and the Marlins. Marlins, you know, in that wild card mix, a little good test here for the Dodgers to see where they stack up against Miami. Over at Marlins Park or Lone Depot Park, that is, the series probables go as followed Tuesday night. It'll be Clay Kershaw against Jesus Lusardo. Wednesday night, it'll be Lance Lynn against TBD of Miami. Thursday, it should have been or could have been or would have been Julio Arias, I now scratched his name, against Braxton Garrett of the Marlins. Um, since Julio will not be with the team to Miami, I don't think we with the team again. Maybe he is. Or just, maybe we're just throwing stuff at the wall here. Maybe he will pitch again for the Dodgers this year. I doubt it. But uh, he will not pitch on Thursday, which was his originally scheduled start. It'll be, I suspect, probably like Michael Grove. The Dodgers are talking about Michael Grove coming back up. Look for Michael Grove to be in that spot. He's back from the IL. Dodgers were talking about him coming back this week, so that that would just okay. seem the best spot for him. Yeah, just the fill-in spot right there. So, um, yeah, the Dodgers and the Marlins going at it from Miami should be a fun series. LA eighty-four and fifty-two, fourteen and a half games ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Marlins half game. I think they were tied like a four-way tie for the wild card. So it's pretty wild over there, National League wild card standings. Um, any final thoughts before we do get to Farrell? Final thoughts on the Braves series. You know, just offense wasn't there fully. Pitching wasn't there wholly. So, you know, make the adjustment. Come back to the next time. You know, I do believe that if we do face the Braves again, it will be in the championship series. I'm pretty sure we don't play them again the rest of the season. So, Study the footage, look at the reels, you know, get whatever you didn't get right the first time, get it right the second time. And from the Brave series, one last time, happy birthday, Zeke, and thank you to all the veterans out there. Your service is much appreciated. You know, everything we get to do, all the sacrifices that they make, you know, we're able to do literally everything we do because of that. So huge props to them. Well said by you. Um, shout out to Unc Zeke and all the veterans out there. Um, always, Enjoy the Labor Day. Yep, always supporting the red, white, and blue. Ready for fair or foul? Fair or foul. Let's do it. Fair or foul, the Astros are going to represent the American League. Hmm. That is a good one. The Mariners are really good so far. The Oreos are really good so far. But do the Astros just come back and turn it up in the postseason? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say fair on that because I think Justin Verlander, you know, he, just, he turns it up in October. He's won a couple World Series with them. He, he's, he seems to be comfortable there. He likes it there. I'm going to say fair. The Astros represent the World Series for the AL. Yeah, I'm going to go fair as well. I, I just – it's hard for me to pick another team other than Houston right now. Like, I feel like other clubs 
have too many holes in their lineup or their their staff overall. So I, I think Houston is the deepest team in the playoff picture for the American League, and I think they will find a way to get it done again. But uh, how about a little sleeper pick here? How about Minnesota going to the World Series? No. Just throwing it out there. I, that, I know no. that sounds crazy considering the history, but why not? Because it just seems like it might be a sleeper year for the American League and the Twins might just come out of nowhere. So just watch out for no. Minnesota. No. no. Correa's not making another World Series for the rest of his career. I'm just, I'm just saying it right now. No. Who? Correa? Oh. Well... Yeah, he's not having a great season, but hey, you just never know. The playoffs might be a different animal. So I would say the Twins are a team to look out for, a dark horse for that matter. Um, but as for Houston, I would say, yeah, fair. They're they're the favorite to represent the American League at this point. Fair or foul, prospects should have faster call-ups. Agreed. 100% fair on that. You got a prospect like James Altman, who's 26. He's not too old. But, you know, obviously he's going to be reaching free agency a little bit later because of his late call-up. And I just think that, you know, if you draft a guy who's 22, 21 years old, you know, why not call him up when he's 23, 24? You know, let him let him play for a series. Let him get experience of what MLB is, and then you, you see what he needs to make adjustments on. And if he's doing good, hey, keep him another series. But if you're like, okay, you need to work on this, you need to work on this, we're, we're experimenting with you, just send him back down to the minors. I think that prospect should, shouldn't should be called up as quickly, but that they should be getting more um, experiences just like in, in series. So obviously, you know, you call up a prospect, you know, he could stay there for a whole month with the team. But, you know, if he's a really good prospect and he, he's got talent in him, call him up for a couple of series. See what he can do, and then you know make the adjustments. See what he can do versus an MLB player, an MLB pitcher, and then you go from there. Yeah, I'm gonna go fair as well. It, it seems like MLB wants you know clubs to call up their prospects at a faster rate. You know they market Ellie De La Cruz like crazy, market a bunch of young guys. We saw Jason Dominguez come up this weekend, lining it up. I think he's like 20 years old or something like that. So. Like, yeah, let's bring up the kids. Let's let them play at the big league level and, you know, let them grow from there. I'm not saying call them up right away when they're drafted, but a year in the minor leagues, maybe two at most, they're good to go. They don't need to spend six years in the minor leagues, right? So, um, yeah, MLB should definitely continue to promote uh, young players up to the big leagues. Definitely, yes. And then the Dodgers, you know, Cartagena's are one of our prospects. Um, Michael Bush, Andy Pages. We have another couple of pitchers down there. River Ryan. You know, call these guys. Obviously, not in this point of the season. You don't want to be calling up these guys. But you know, next season and you know May or um, April. You know, call up Michael Bush. Call up Andy Pages. Call up these guys and let them get a couple of series in. And if if it hurts the team in the first series, and hey, send them back down. That that's you know. There's a there's a solution to that, so I'm glad you see the same way on that. Fair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see in other sports, young guys play all the time, right? As soon as they get drafted, of course, baseball is different, but even in hockey, they have a minor league system as well. But a lot of the times, they go from the draft straight to the to the big clubs. So let's see the young guys play, you know, right when they're drafted, at least sooner than usually have been. Um, Finally, fair or foul, vintage decorations make homes look cluttered and tacky. Vintage collections? Decorations. Mm. <clears throat> or collections. Yeah. You know, that one's pretty interesting just for myself because, like, where I live at, we do have a lot of, like, collections, like, vintage stuff inside of our house. And at times it does feel clustered, but then at the same time, it's not because of the collections and just all the other stuff. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say foul. You know, if you know where to, if you know how to just you know, space management. I believe space management is a good key to that. And you know, if you if you can 
do something with that very lightly, then I don't think that they should be taking up too much space. So I'm going to go ahead and say foul on that. Yeah, it's all about space management, right? I mean, everybody has a little collection, right? Whatever it may be. But uh, as long as you space it out and just have it organized, I think it's fine. It could be 20 years old. It could be five years old. I mean, as long as you know what you're doing, um, it's too much of a problem. So I'm, I'll go foul as well. I think bitch and stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And then... You know, a lot of vintage and collection stuff. I feel like just once you're able to live more comfortably, you can focus on that and just like more decorize it to your to your own opinion, your own style. Yep, absolutely. <coughs> any final thoughts? Any final thoughts on this podcast? Any final thoughts? I'm gonna say it one more time, just because it only happens once every year. Happy birthday, Zeke! You only turn a hundred once. In a lifetime, if you have a chance to. Happy 100, Uncle Zeke. I hope one day that you hear this, or, you know, one day someone who lives with you, one of your relatives, they hear about this. Being able to, you know, just be at the stadium with you that day. We, we weren't sitting with you, but just being able to see it, being able to be there, it, it honestly felt really good just being able to witness that. So, happy birthday, Uncle Zeke. Love you. And, you know, th- thank you. Thank you for everything. There you go, guys. Um, We are going to sign off on this podcast. We will talk to you guys again on Thursday after the finale of the Dodgers and Marlins series. So that being said, we're going to sign off. We appreciate you all for tuning in. Talk to you guys again next time. Go Dodgers. Thank you, viewers, for watching wherever you are. Stay safe. Have a good one. And lastly, go Dodgers.